Hello and welcome to this live stream. We've got four very special guests today to talk about what I think many of us would agree is a very, very important conversation right now in America. That is race relations. I'm sure many of you have heard as of late, we had Vice President Kamala Harris, President Joe Biden talk about the systemic racism here in America. And then you had Senator Tim Scott say, whoa, 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 America is not racist. So we're going to dive into this conversation tonight and have a very real, candid and yet respectful conversation around this topic, because I know this can get heated and passionate. So join us now, Cindy gomez from the show A Mexican Crossing Line. Cindy, it's great to have you. Thanks for having me. Uh, Lillian Jones, you are a paralegal. So Lillian, it's great to see you. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Uh, Leon Francis, NDGOP District 44 Chair. Leon, great to have you. And Raheem Williams, an economist. So gentlemen, I appreciate you being here. I'm sure many people have seen this clip, but I want to just start with this clip to have some context for our audience. And what I'm hoping we can get to by the end of this conversation is, OK, America right now is divided. Let's talk about this topic and how can we become more united? So this is uh, Vice President Kamala Harris and President Joe Biden. I think it was the same evening or shortly thereafter, I should say, um, that Derek Chauvin was found guilty for the murder of George Floyd. America has a long history of systemic racism. Black Americans and black men in particular have been treated throughout the course of our history as less than human. It was a murder in the full light of day and it ripped the blinders off for the whole world to see the systemic racism the Vice President just referred to. The systemic racism is a stain on our nation's soul. So, Raheem, I'm going to start with you, sir. Um, first, how would you define systemic racism? And is America still systemically racist today? I have no idea how to define it, to be honest with you. I think that's kind of one of the problems with it. Um, you hear the term thrown around and there's no accountability. Like when Biden referenced systemic racism, he didn't talk about his crime bill and how many black people he locked up. Uh, when Kamala Harris did it, she didn't talk about the innocent black men she locked up and the, and the evidence she had to keep them locked up, right? So there's no ownership here. It's always the other guys, these undefined others that are that are the secret racists. And, and I wanna go into something uh, President Biden said today. Today, he said he don't believe Americans are racist. But then he followed that up with qualifiers, similar to what Tim Scott said. Tim Scott got drugged for saying America isn't a racist nation. Okay. Biden comes back, say the basically same thing in two days during a Today Show interview, and it's all okay. So it means nothing. They know they can win appealing to race, and that's what they do. That's what politicians do. They they hit on their keys and whatever pulls them. Wow. All right, I love that. We're, we're getting right into it today. So I'm going to play this Today Show clip just for our audience's context so every, we all have the same context of what he's talking about. Then we'll get back into uh, the systemic racism. From the junior senator of South Carolina last night, Tim Scott, he's, he said, among other things, America isn't racist. Is it? No, I don't think the American people are racist. But I think after 400 years, African-Americans have been left in a position where they are so far behind the eight ball in terms of education, health, in terms of opportunity. I don't think people are saying, say, I don't want any black person around me or living next to me. I think that's that what's happened is there used to be laws that said a black person couldn't live in, in that neighborhood. I, I don't think America's racist, but I think the, the overhang 
from all of the Jim Crow and before that slavery have, have had a cost and we have to deal with it. So Cindy, I'm gonna to go to you. Um, Cindy, how would you define systemic racism? And do you believe that today, I know in the past there was systemic racism, do you believe that today America is systemically racist? Well, I think that the president put it brilliantly. Uh, there's a cost to um, the codification of slavery and you know Jim Crow and keeping people from having access to education keeping people from being able to read. We're not talking about some long ago, uh, you know, uh, history of slavery. My mom was the first child out of 14 children that was allowed to go to school. And that wasn't 50 million years ago. That was my mom out of 14 kids. She was the first person that was able to get educated. Every other person in her family, including my grandmother and my grandfather, didn't get to read. And you know what, the colonizer, when he came here, he made sure we didn't have access to education. It was illegal for us to learn how to read. If you learned how to read, if you knew how to read, you could go to jail. These were things that impacted generations, right, of people. Um, when you take away someone's ability to uh, have access to housing, to education, um, that causes a ripple effect in their family members. And that is something that we do have to reckon with today. That's what Joe's talking about. It's talking, you know, Joe's talking about the ripple effect that we have to deal with today. So how would you define systemic racism? Systemic racism is all of the things that we codified into law that have an impact on the lives, generations of families of black and brown and indigenous people in this country, right? That we have to deal with today, including the lack of access to education, housing, uh, lack of freedom, all of those things impact people's ability to generationally uh, gather wealth and have access to the things that most white people take for granted. Lillian, I'm gonna to go to you. Have you defined systemic racism? And if you can speak to this, please, because I don't fully understand it, but my, my understanding at this point is that if you were a Native American living on a reservation, because of the way it's a federal trust, I believe, it can be challenging for some Native Americans to actually buy and own property on a reservation unless you can't pass it down amongst generations, what makes it very difficult to build generational familial wealth. Is there any accurate to what I'm accurate to what I'm saying there? And if you can share your definition of systemic racism. Definitely. You've nailed it. You've identified some very uh, salient points there. And it all goes down to the very foundation of this country. And when you talk about systemic racism, it's easy to say it's a blind thing and you don't really see or you can't identify spe specifics. But if you back it up and you get honest and you look at the foundation of this nation was built on genocide and on human bondage. And if you look even at the Second Amendment, the Second Amendment was um, putting guns in the hands of these, uh, the new uh, immigrants, the European immigrants, to go ahead and ensure 
the eradication of the original or indigenous people, the movement of them, and the capturing or recapture or retention of uh, escaped slaves. Then you have um, that, you know, the trail of tears things, the confinement of the survivors of this attempted genocide or these attempted genocides. And you have the uh, establishments of reservations where here, this is where you're going to go. Now you take Fort Berthold, my home reservation, where you had a very, very verdant uh, land base, very productive with a great, in a great trade position that was wound up being flooded to prevent uh, flooding down the stream. But actually that was an attempt and a successful attempt to quash the productivity of the tribe. Now you also identified um, building familial wealth. Well, even right now, right now we could obtain, we could qualify for a mortgage as tribal members living on the reservation, but banks will not mortgage a home built on the reservation. So it's like you can go ahead and buy your home and you may have inherited land from those original fractionated parcels that were intended to break the reservation or break these lands up so that people wouldn't have enough value or enough say or voice in retaining those lands for their families. Um, I don't know what that was, but. Um, but can you can you jump in a little bit more, Lillian? Because that's mm -hmm. one of the things that I'm I'm trying to understand, and I can't imagine. So you're saying, hey, you can qualify for a mortgage, but the yes. bank won't actually provide the mortgage for you because why? Because it's situated on a reservation, and then this also reflects even say farming. So a lot of uh, lands on reservations are ideal for farming, but even the FDA would not. Uh, grant farm loans to native persons living on the reservation. So what you see predominantly are the majority of the farmed lands are lands leased by white farmers from native holders and then those leases are blind. So the native shareholder doesn't even have a right to really see who's leasing this land. What are they paying for it? Is it fair market value? It's blind. And you're not going to know who who even has that lease. It has the right to farm your your land um, until the lease is expired. So we got. I want to bring you in here, and and Leon, let's. I want to back up to some of the systemic racist stuff. But now there's a story out recently that you've got some white farmers in the context of what Lillian just shared, Leon, that are now suing the federal government because they are not able to get a loan forgiveness through the COVID bill because they're white. So, I mean, does two wrongs make a right? I mean, I just feel like we just continue to divide ourselves rather than going, hey, okay, we made some mistakes. We're, we're trying to make a more perfect union. We're still not there, but is now denying white people loan forgiveness the right path to go? I, I don't know, what say you, Leon? That's, there's a lot to unpack in this entire conversation. <laughs> I want to uh, borrow a phrase from uh, Pasaki. Let me circle back to um, like black men and black people in particular not being able to have access to um, uh, academics. And I, I want to rebut that because you had folks like uh, Frederick Douglass that, you know, never, he was a slave. He, he grew, up, grew up on a plantation, he not only learned to read by his own agency, 
he was an excellent orator. He was one of the probably foremost orators of our time and definitely of his time and close and personal friend to um, uh, uh, President Lincoln. I also want to uh, point out Tim Scott, who said that his, his family went from cotton to Congress in one generation. How do you do that? You have to cultivate a love for academics, higher education. That's why Asians do so well. That's why Nigerians do so well. Who are blacker than I am? That's why they do so well. Our culture is the problem. If we want to talk about systemic racism, let's talk about the public school system. Why can't my child's uh, federal dollars follow him to whatever school that I choose? Why are we locking our children into inner city schools that are crime written and proven time and time generation after generation to be failures. Why are we doing that? That's systemic racism, in my humble opinion. And sure. my, on my light just went out. Give me a second. Uh, no worries. Yeah, now, Lily, I'm going to go to you. Hold on, hold on one second here. But now, just for clarity, and Lee, correct me if I'm wrong, Booker T. Washington's slave owner found out that his wife was him to read, got upset, said, don't do this anymore. The wife continued to do it. Then he was shipped over. I think it was Ireland. Is that correct? Booker, so, I mean, like Booker T. Like my point is, it wasn't like he was, you know, walking no, out of school and right. I mean, that's a bit anecdotal. That's that's what he's saying. No, Frederick Douglass. I'm sorry, Frederick uh, Douglass. Yeah, I'm, I'm my bad. Okay. Yes. See, oh, you know what? I'm I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad this flub happened because it's really easy to not be fully aware of the. The, the reality of, of these inequalities or the inequity here, mm -hmm. because we can say, we can pick one highly educated, highly successful member of our ethnic group and say, see now this one, this individual, you know, they didn't have, they suffered, you know, hardships and challenges, they prevailed. Right. You know? And that's, so, that's true. I can, but if I you want to drag that hook, I drag that net through the ocean and catch and, and catch the group, you're going to see that that, does, that is not reflective of the entire whole. And that's the problem about this systemic thing. And it's you know what? it's built in. We had, and if it's built in, you Cindy, don't see it. Cindy, Cindy, hold on. I'm going to let Leon. Cindy, hold on. I'm, Cindy, hold on. I'm, Leon, go ahead. I know you wanted to say something. Go ahead. Well, what I want to say is um, what stops my child from um, excelling academically that a white what what barriers are in place for my child that are not in place for a white student? That's what I want to know, because I don't see it. You are you asking me to respond to, to you about that? Because no, what I was um, going to respond to was the fact that uh, the fact that we had black people in Congress uh, during re the Reformation period before Jim Crow, before, before Jim Crow. So we have sad, successful black people. Uh, thank you, Leon, for bringing up the name, and, and also Chris, for bring, bringing up the names of some luminaries uh, from their time. Uh, I could bring up uh, luminaries of uh, Mexican descent that, you know, made it big. Uh, Long before, right? Long before we had um, freedoms in place that we have today, that have brought the, a lot of people of color 
um, further than a generation before. We can have progress and success within our own racial groups and also still have systemic racism. The senator that spoke after Biden mentioned in his same speech that there wasn't racism that was systemic in America and then talked about the fact this is the same senator that talked about being pulled over by the cops seven times in one year. So yeah, he knows. And he also talked about the fact that his grandfather, his father sat at the table pretending to read a newspaper because he never was able to read. So he acknowledges that systemic racism is real, just like Trump did for Bob Woodward in his recent book. But at the same time says, you know what? I don't want to do nothing about it. So let me, let me go ahead, Raheem. And I'm I was going to say, I'm, there's, so there's two things I want to throw, come back at. Um, the idea that the second amendment was, was a uh, pass for, um, to protect slavery and, and hurt indigenous people. Uh, that's just false. I'm sorry. No, that's false. You need to uh, no, that's, that's an absolute no, lie. This is um, a link from so the there, there's, the, that's the root. It's a famous black website. The author is a columnist, a very progressive columnist that's pro-gun control. And the fact of the matter is we have historical records about the conversations around ratifications of the Constitution. And I will, I'm not here to say that there's no racism in America. I'm not even here to end the systemic racism debate. But this idea that everything is racist is an absolute lie. So, yes, there has been racism surrounding the Second Amendment, mostly when the Supreme Court refused to extend that right to brown people, um, when the Supreme Court refused to protect blacks from the KKK. Um, but there's also great stories like when blacks defended their communities from Klan aggression with firearms throughout the 60s. So this idea that gun right, that it was ratified, no, that is alt, that is alt history by the radical left. That's a lie. Um, now, as far as the as, as the uh, systemic racism question, I think we're kind of getting bogged down. I really do. I think we're getting bogged down. The question um, isn't, is racism systemic or not, in my opinion? I think the question is, how do we move forward as a country? It's like, what exactly does this mean? What does this mean? Like, am I supposed to go around and tell Chris, hey, because you're white, you're a part of the problem? Or am I supposed to go around and tell young brown people that, hey, the world is out to get you? And if so, what does that solve? So those are big. It's like, OK, so now that we have systemic racism and we establish that this is a serious problem. All, now. No, 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 no. I'm not saying now in sense of now. I'm saying like we're in the conversation. Now we establish that is the problem. Uh, so, sorry for losing context. What I'm saying is, OK, it. What do you do? Because it's kind of like the mysterious day, right? It's, it's like that's is is like oh, blaming systems, like how I said about Biden and Kamala. Like oh yeah, it's the systems, not not me. It wasn't what I did as a prosecutor. It wasn't the crime bill I wrote. It it wasn't me. It wasn't the things I voted for in Congress. It wasn't my crack cocaine disparities that I supported. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't the housing opportunities that I abandoned black voters on. I can post The Nation, also a far left magazine that literally goes into detail about how Biden literally betrayed black voters throughout his career. No, no, it wasn't me, you know, but I'm the hero here. And so there's no accountability, right? So when there's this systemic racism debate, we don't actually put names to it, right? Like who are the racists? 
And I and I don't want like, to screw systems. Show me the races. And I'm not saying they do not exist. I'm saying right. I want to help hold them accountable. Yes. And let's yeah. start to come together. So everybody, just to be respectful here, I've got another interview coming up. So I just want you to know that if we end up stopping this earlier than I think we should just know that's the reason why. But I do want to share some with you that I think is really important for this conversation right now. <laughs> And I want to kind of drop this in the middle of all of us. And whoever wants to jump in and start talking about it, let's do this. This is the evening, the day that George Floyd died. And this is what was put out by the Minneapolis Police Department. Okay. And I'm going to read this. On Monday evening, shortly after 8 p.m., officers from the Minneapolis Police Department responded to the 3700 block. Officers were advised the suspect was sitting on top of a blue car and appeared to be under the influence. I'm going to skip a little bit. Officers were able to get the suspect into handcuffs and noted he appeared to be suffering medical distress. Officers called for an ambulance. He was transported to Hennepin County Medical Center by ambulance where he died a short time later. At no time were weapons of any use by anyone involved in this incident. I only want to bring this up because if it wasn't for cameras, we would have been like, oh, okay, Minneapolis police. And I think that's a problem. Who wants to respond? Oh, gosh, there's so many things in there. I mean, because all you have to do is say, you know, it looked, they looked suspicious. They looked like they were swerving. I had to pull them over. I mean, I don't even know how many times I've been pulled over, especially leaving my reservation automatic. You, they park right on the reservation line and pull over. But no, it's not off topic. It's right on topic. It's an illustration of the point. It's saying that he appeared to be under the influence. He was, was under that? the influence. The, imp the, the imposition but of he was. the very impression. Do you want to finish my topic? But, you got but, the floor. but what you're saying is the this reason. Is, by the way, this is a man tasered by police for trying to film them. No, that's a separate. What we're talking were about you, one. Leon, we're talking were about you not tasered by police for trying to yes. film Yes, yes, I was. But that's not what we're talking about. We yeah. can talk about that. There's, there's a, there's we can a talk about when that. it comes to what, what, what gets put on the police report. Yeah. I mean, because that what's, that's, what's re given respect in the record. Now we had a client who was, a, who was a homeless native veteran. How many of those have you seen downtown? And people say, oh, they just don't like to work. You know, they get this check from the government or whatever. Right. No, they're profiled. They are excluded from, from, from rental housing. They are tracked by the police who tell them directly, this is my job to keep you out of sight. Yeah. One of them wound up with a broken hand because he was assaulted on camera by the officer in a homeless shelter. But the police report said that he slipped. So who is what's going to give give the credibility? What's given credibility? Can, it's the police report. All right, let's so that report that can, you just showed yep. demonstrates that the cake. And that's yeah. why I wanted to share that. So Leon, go ahead, sir. So a couple of points I want to bring out is one, yes, Cindy, that did happen to me. That's an accountability issue. And we can talk about that. I'm fine with talking about that. I had a... Um, I had to change my mind on the uh, social conversation that we're having now when my children told me the reason why they support Black Lives Matter. I do not, but I understand why they do because of what was done to me and the way they, the, the prism at, at which they are looking at it. I come from a more mature background where I can actually sit down and sit back and take a look at what happened 
and I can see the problems there. I am not going to chalk it up to systemic racism. George Floyd was a horrible person. He was high. He was under the influence. And now that notwithstanding, I don't, I don't see any value in attacking Floyd. Yeah. yeah, I don't see any value in scaring Floyd. That's, 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 that's so shallow. It, how is it I mean, shallow? The man is dead. What was what did I say that was not because it doesn't matter if he had a drug addiction or not, he didn't deserve it. So we can't have a conversation because if I bring up facts, well, I mean, if you want to bring it up, like that is not that is an opinion. I think Leanne is just saying, Hey, this is not an opinion. This, if he had an addiction, that does not mean he cannot be a victim of state brutality, police brutality. So, like, so bringing that out there, like, like we all didn't see the video is just unfair. Okay, and somewhere. Yes, but I just I think what people are saying is when you when you say he's a horrible person, look, there's a lot of people that have a horrible person. He was a poison in the black community. He was. He was the guy that got his seven year old shot in Chicago in the McDonald's drive through because of the violence he visited upon our community, the black community. It is people like George Floyd that make the police officers a necessity in our community. People like that idiot. And I don't care if you guys are offended. I'm a black man. I grew up in those ghettos. So you well, guys have to tear down other black men. It's my credibility. It I, I just don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I, don't, yeah, I, don't I want to have you take this one. Can you? Can you right. take this one, Raheem? I've got my own thoughts going. Hey, people can be resurrected, if you will. They can be redeemed. He so, yeah. well, it's not about if somebody. It's first and foremost. It's not about if he was a good person or not. I did not know the man, um, yep. and I don't believe you did either. So, nope. with that being said. It's about what is the role of the government? Do police protect and serve? When that man sat there and begged for his life and cried for his mama and said, I needed medical attention, he sat there kneeling. Two grown men sat kneeling on him. Now, I have a heart condition. I I have a heart condition. If you do that to me, I may die. So it's like that is not okay. It does not matter what he did in the past. The question is, what is the role of the state? And police work for us, not the other way around. Right. And I understand that everybody is not perfect, but that does not mean that it, it serves anybody's interest in tearing him down. And as a conservative, you should understand that limited government principles definitely apply to I law agree. enforcement. And that I man agree. has autonomy and what happened to him was wrong. So saying he's a terrible person does he literally was. nothing because that's not why anybody was marching. Nobody was marching like, oh, we heard he likes drugs. That's not what the march is. <laughs> They're marching on a false premise, though. They're marching on a false premise. And no, they're marching because I never said it was. You said that. What I'm saying is two things can be true at the same time. But what you let off with is the police report that said he died of medical, uh, he was having a medical uh, condition, and he was. And when I said that, you guys pounced. He was having a medical issue. He was under the influence of drugs. That is a portion of what happened to him. Manslaughter, yes. Murder, no. Well, a jury of no, your peers, of our peers, has decided otherwise. And that's mob mentality. They used to do that back in the day. 
It's called mob mentality. If the mob is no, it's called the judicial system. It's a co-equal power in our country. That's why the the president and the vice president spoke on the issue before the juries were sequestered. That's the. I'm not going to use the language, but if you go back and do your homework in the 30s and 40s and how other mob situations took place to influence certain outcomes within verdicts, we've seen that. You talk to some of the jurors that were not jurors, but were potential backup jurors, and they've talked about how they had their own perceptions of what potentially could happen. I mean, you had pig heads at home. So look, Everybody says the judicial system. You didn't hear that story in California. I had no, I know nothing about big heads. Yeah, one of the one of the testimonies that defended Chauvin, it wasn't actually the right house, but they thought it was, and they put a, a cut off pig head and blood all over the person's home. Mainstream so, media isn't going to show you that. They're, they're not going to show you that. So, anyways, everybody, I just want to say thank you. Uh, just for <laughs> clarity, Leon, I think there were people got um, upset was when you said he was a terrible person. I don't, I don't think that forwards the conversation. It wasn't about whether you said he was under the influence or not. That's my point of view on that. If anyone wants to add anything because of time, I hate to wrap this up because I feel like we were just getting into some very important topics. But Can everyone agree that we can do this again because this is so important? Leon, I know that. Yes, yes, yes. I have a lot of unfinished thoughts. I do (laughs) do too. (laughs) (laughs) Let me me ask you this. Is everyone available at like 3.30? Sure. Sure. I'll be available. I'll be available. Leon? I'm not. Uh, not today. All right. We'll, we'll have a we'll party. Him. We'll, Some <laughs> other time. We'll, we'll have a- Leon can't be there? Oh, no. Hey, hey, hey. hey. <laughs> you you oh, man. I love you, Leon. Yeah, we Leon. Got some disagreements, we love though. We, 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 we definitely have some disagreements. We have some disagreements. We have family, you know? Exactly. I love, I love you all. I really appreciate the time, the points of view, the insight. We will do this again. I think our audience gets a lot of value out of this. So thank you for being so candid. God bless you guys. And we'll play I love tonight. all of you. Okay. Thank, you. You. thank you for taking the time. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to do this again. Yes. Everybody in? Yes. All yes. Right. Sounds good. Raheem, let me love, I love all of you. Have a great right. day. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> I'm in, you guys. See, that, that's what we need. We need more of this in America. So <laughs> I love you. I love you. I love you. Okay. <laughs>